Welcome to Rule of Law Talk, a podcast series by the World Justice Project. I'm Leslie Solis, and today we are hosting a conversation with Javier Martin Reyes, a Mexican lawyer and political scientist who is an associate professor at CIDE, a center of research and higher education in Mexico. Javier studied at CIDE, UNAM, and Columbia University. He is an expert in public law and judicial politics and has published on topics related to electoral justice, access to justice, criminal justice, among others. Today, we'll be discussing the state of the rule of law in Mexico, as well as the challenges and opportunities for the new Mexican president, Andres Manuel López Obrador, commonly referred to as AMLO, who will be inaugurated on December 1st, 2018. Thank you for listening to this podcast, and please don't forget to subscribe to Rule of Law Talk for more vital conversations like this one. After a landslide victory in the presidential elections held in July in Mexico, Andres Manuel López Obrador, AMLO, was elected for a six-year mandate to fight inequality, reduce, reduce violence, and eradicate corruption. It must be noted that AMLO won the presidency at his third attempt after campaigning in 2006 and 2012. AMLO will begin his presidency with strong public support. The Economist has referred to him as the most powerful Mexican president in decades. In addition, according to a recent poll by the newspaper Reforma, 71% of those surveyed affirm they feel optimistic about the future of the country. On the contrary, Enrique Peña Nieto, the outgoing president who occupied this position from 2012 to 2018, has the lowest approval rates in history. According to the same survey by Reforma, 68% of Mexicans disapprove of his work, and six out of 10 people polled perceive that violence, insecurity, corruption, and poverty increased under his mandate. Today, we are talking with Javier Martin Reyes, a Mexican lawyer and political scientist, to analyze this special moment in Mexico's history and understand the challenges the new government will face, as well as the possible solutions. Javier, thank you very much for taking this call. No, th thank you very much, uh, Leslie. I'm very happy to be here uh, with you and with all the listeners. Thank you. So AMLO won with 53% of the votes and has wide public support as he has promised to transform the political reality in Mexico. This has created very high expectations among his supporters. What do you think are the three main challenges facing the incoming administration of AMLO? Well, I guess the first thing that we uh, should note is that uh, AMLO has said that uh, he wants to deeply transform uh, the political system, uh, right? He has, in fact, said that uh, his victory means that Mexico will have a fourth major uh, transformation. And if we think about uh, the previous transformations in Mexican history, uh, the national independence, the reform, and the revolution, uh, it is clear that we are facing uh, not just changes in public policy, but perhaps changes at the constitutional uh, level, right? Um, 
on the one hand, uh, I think AMLO and also many of his uh, advisors have said that we will not have major uh, constitutional transformations, at least during the first uh, three years. But on the other hand, uh, both AMLO and his uh, major uh, advisors and the, the people that are going to take uh, key positions on the next government have also said that they do want at least uh, some constitutional uh, transformations. Uh, for example, he has announced that there will be a National Guard, which is uh, basically uh, uh, a new uh, police that will be composed of you know, members from the from the military, right? And that's 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 clear that it's a major uh, transformation. So I guess um, the first major challenge that AMLO and the new government will have is uh, just to be uh, clear and to give certainty regarding the type of uh, changes that they will that they will uh, try to enact during the next years. Um, I think a second major uh, challenge that they will face is related uh, to public safety. Uh, 2018 was uh, and will be the most uh, violent uh, year in the recent uh, history. Uh, I guess like the, the context is uh, somewhat uh, complicated for the for the new government because we have uh, tried as a nation uh, different solutions to the, this crisis that we have on, on public uh, safety. And AMLO is making, I think, a huge bet in terms of using uh, the military uh, in, in a more uh, consistent and clear um, way. So I would say that that's the second major challenge that the administration uh, will have. And I guess like the, the third one has, uh, I mean, or is, or is related to all the promises that they made uh, during the campaign. And I think that there are two main areas that explain in, in some way why uh, the, the Mexicans voted uh, for AMLO and its corruption and, and, and poverty, right? In terms of poverty, he has announced uh, major uh, programs uh, that aim at at least uh, two specific sectors of the society. On the one hand, he has said that he will give uh, some sort of direct, uh, direct transfers of uh, benefits to students um, in a program that seems to be aiming at giving them uh, new jobs and also to uh, people that are older than 65 or 68-year-olds, uh, right, to the, to the elderly, right? And in terms of corruption, he has said that he will uh, tackle down corruption. I guess at this point, we don't, um, we, we, we don't have a lot of clarity about what, what the public policies that, we will, that he will try to, uh, to enact. Uh, but in, in general terms, I would say that those three are the main uh, challenges. Uh, first, to be clear regarding whether or not he wants to enact major constitutional uh, changes. We have a lot of uncertainty on that area. Uh, second, public safety is, is going to be uh, fundamental, I, I think, especially during the first uh, months of his, of his administration. And finally, uh, tackling corruption and poverty. So many challenges. And on a more positive note, what do you think are the main opportunities for the incoming government? Or what would you highlight as the main strengths? I, I guess, like, I mean, the, the, the first thing to note is that AMLO, and, and you noted that in, in the beginning, right? I mean, uh, he won with 53% of the vote. 
So I think the economist is is right in in terms of he is the most powerful president, at least in recent history, or at least since the democratic transition in the year uh, 2000. So he, he he has a lot of support and approval in 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 the general uh, population, uh, not only among uh, his his voters, which are basically half of the people who who voted, but also in in, in the general uh, population. So 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 that is something very positive for the new administration. I think that they will be able uh, to push for. Uh, specific um, public policies and on specific uh, topics and the opposition will not have a lot of uh, you know leeway just to to challenge at least during the first uh, months right uh, on the institutional uh, level i think that it is also very important to note that this is the first time in recent democratic history in mexico where we have a unified government Right. So basically, uh, López Obrador uh, and his uh, political party, uh, Morena, uh, they, they control both the presidency and both chambers of, of, of Congress. Right. So they will be able, uh, at least on the legal level, to adopt a lot of the changes that they were uh, promising. Right. So, um, of course, that that is something good uh, for them because they, they will have this this political power just to push for that agenda uh, if we think about the past well uh, even vicente fox who was the first president after the transition in the year 2000 he never had a uniformed uh, a unified government uh he's uh, the next president felipe calderon also didn't have a majority in both chambers of of congress and Enrique Peña Nieto didn't have, you know, the political and institutional support that AMLO uh, will uh, have. Uh, and, I, I, and I would say that also uh, a third um, th positive thing for, for, for AMLO and something that is a huge opportunity for him is that he is the first uh, president that has been elected with a kind of clear uh, leftist uh, agenda, right? So I think we'll have, he, he will have the opportunity to push for a different type of public policies that we have not seen in previous uh, administration. And I think that in general, uh, the levels of support that the population has towards him kind of tell us that, you know, at least during the first um, months or perhaps the first couple of years of his administration, he will have a, a lot of uh, political and social power and legitimacy just to push his his agenda. This is very important that the people trust in him and support him uh, will be a very interesting time for Mexico because we've seen how distrust in political in the political system has hurt Mexico so much lately. Uh, absolutely. And, and I think if, if we see uh, the approval ratings of, 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 of Peña Nieta, uh, we will see that I mean, uh, not even Carlos Salinas, Ernesto Cedillo, uh, Vicente Fox, um, Felipe Cal uh, or Felipe Calderón, uh, the former Mexican presidents, had uh, such a low score when they were finishing their their terms, right? So, I mean, it, I think it, it, it's a huge contrast between the administration that is finishing and all the support that AMLO uh, has, and and I think that is a uh, 
a really positive uh, note because if, if we see uh, the polls and we see the studies that have been made during uh, the last years, it, it, it is very clear that almost all the institutions of the Mexican states have had some degree of you know, uh, of, of, of lacking political support from the general uh, population, uh, the general scores for both uh, the legislative chambers, the judicial power, the military and the police have been going down uh, during these last years, right? So I think it's, it's, it's really important that AMLO will have, um, you know, a majority in Congress. He will have a lot of popular support, at least during from the beginning. So I think that's why the first actions and the first months of his of his term are going to be uh, fundamental for the future. Indeed. And well, Javier, as you know, the World Justice Project recently published the Mexico State's Rule of Law Index 2018, which reflects the perceptions and experiences of more than 25,000 people across the 32 Mexico states and um, over 1,500 experts. The index presents data that is organized into eight dimensions, constraints on government powers, absence of corruption, open government, fundamental rights, order and security, regulatory enforcement, civil justice, and criminal justice. Would you expect that Mexico's performance on any of these factors will improve in the following years? I think it's, it's, it's really hard um, to say whether or not uh, these factors will improve uh, during the next years. Um, my guess would be that if, if AMLO and his team um, are uh, serious about tackling down corruption, that is a specific factor that could improve in the following um, on, on years. Because his anti-corruption, uh, you know, uh, speech and policies have, have been, you know, repeated over and over and over during the campaign and after, uh, after that. Uh, so, uh, but, but, but the thing here is that we don't have a lot of clarity regarding the specific policies that he wants uh, to implement. Uh, in Mexico, uh, we have a, na a national anti-corruption uh, system that is relatively recent, that is not working uh, at, at, this, at this point because we have some key pieces that are still missing, for example, anti-corruption judges. And we really don't know if AMLO will try to strengthen the anti-corruption system and if he does or doesn't, whether or not the system is going gonna, is gonna to work. Uh, but I would, I would say uh, at first sight, it, it seems that we have some uh, sort of, you know, expectation that perhaps in terms of, of corruption. And if we think, for example, regard, uh, in, 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 a, in a second factor, uh, fundamental rights, I think that uh, it, 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 it will depend a lot on the specific uh, right that we are uh, thinking about. Uh, for example, I think in terms of economic and social rights, AMLO has been uh, pretty emphatic about the need, for example, to expand uh, higher education, uh, to provide uh, jobs, especially for, for, for young people. Uh, about, I mean, in terms of tackling down uh, poverty, he has also talked a lot. So I guess that if he is serious in these areas, we, we could expect an increase in our scores uh, in, in, in this factor of the, of the index. 
Uh, but but I guess like on, on on the others, we we really don't know what's going to happen. Uh, for example, if we think about in terms of uh, constraints on government powers, well, uh, the fact that AMLO has a unified government and that we have never seen a unified government in Mexican history, at least in terms of uh, democratic uh, uh, rule, that, that that could mean that, for example, they will be able uh, to nominate uh, Supreme Court justices. Or the other important aspect, if we think about the specific Mexican uh, context, is that over the years we have created a lot of uh, autonomous constitutional regulatory agencies that are pretty powerful if we see the Mexican uh, constitution and that they will continue to operate during the presidency of, of, of AMLO. Uh, this kind of agencies that are autonomous also represent a, a, a check on the presidential uh, power. Uh, but here we have seen some uh, mixed uh, signals, right? Uh, AMLO has said that in some cases he doesn't really believe on that kind of institutional design. He has been, for example, emphatic that the institute that is in charge of, you know, guaranteeing uh, open government and transparency, it's it's not really working uh, well. And, and it's a little bit paradoxical because if we see uh, the scores that Mexico has on, on, on the index, it is clear that open government is perhaps uh, you know the, the the factor in which Mexico performs uh, the best, but at the same time, AMLO doesn't really believe on on that specific institutional uh, design of, of of the Mexican state. So we really don't know if we're going to have a a better um, you know uh, uh, mark or score in terms of constraints on government powers. Uh, we also don't know if we're going to have a better score on on open. Uh, government and in terms of uh, criminal uh, justice, I mean it, it. It's really, really unclear, right? Uh, the general attorney's office at the federal level is also uh, an autonomous constitutional uh, institution or organ or agency, and uh, we have really not transformed completely the older general attorneys. Uh, Office, so we really don't know what's going to happen with the Fiscalía General de la de la República, the General Attorney's uh, Office, and I think that is a fundamental piece for the criminal justice uh, system, and of course for the performance of Mexico on that specific factor. So overall, I, I would say we have a lot of um, uncertainty. Um, I think that you know things could get better in terms of corruption and some fundamental rights. But on the other factors, I think at this point, it's really hard uh, to say. Of course. Um, and that is why we will continue to do this exercise every year so we can measure the rule of law in Mexico from the perspective of citizens uh, to see how they live and perceive the rule of law in their daily lives with the hope that, of course, in the following years, we'll get higher scores. Um, but if not, we will continue to monitor and to offer a diagnosis of what are the strengths and what are the weaknesses and where policymakers should focus um, or where they should give priority. And well, I would like to ask you, from your most recent work on everyday justice and pretrial detention, 
if you could just do anything to improve the justice system in Mexico, what would you do? Oh, I think that, uh, I mean, first and foremost, we have we have to say that rule of law in Mexico is, is, is pretty weak by any uh, measure. And I think one of the major trends that we have seen during the last um, decades is that we have focused a lot of attention and resources at the federal level, right? So if we think about, for example, the federal Mexican judiciary, we, we will see that there are major improvements compared, for example, to 1991, 92, 93, uh, and, and, and so on, right? So if we think about our federal judiciary, it's a judiciary that, that definitely works uh, better, right? Uh, if we think about the criminal justice system, I think that it, it is clear that we have not finished the transformation of our criminal justice system, but there have been major improvements, right? Like we, we in 2008, we had a major transformation, which basically uh, created an adversarial uh, system in, in, in Mexico. And I think that there is good data that shows that there has been a major improvement. Uh, I guess the thing that has been missing in general uh, terms is the focus on the state level, right? Uh, we have used a lot of resources to improve the federal system, especially the criminal justice system, uh, but we have not done the same thing in terms of, for example, the civil, the civil justice system or in terms of the administrative justice or the regulatory uh, schemes that we have at the, at the state level. So I would say that if the next government what really wants to improve the perception of you know the general population in terms of how well the justice system performs it really has to make fundamental changes at the at the state level i think that the positive uh, note here is that the federal government has a lot of uh, legal and institutional mechanisms that they can take advantage of uh, basically, according to the Mexican um, Constitution, uh, the federal Congress can legislate in a lot of these this areas and they can create uh, binding, binding laws and binding uh, policies to the, to, to the states. So I guess if we have a good coordination between the federal and the local uh, branches, we can definitely see, see major um, you know, improvements in this factor. Absolutely. And well... Uh, something that we learned from the Mexico State's Rule of Law Index 2018 is that although the 32 states uh, face many challenges and have many institutional weaknesses and have, you know, important things that they need to do and need to address urgently, there are a lot of differences between states. For example, Yucatan, Aguascalientes and Zacatecas had higher uh, scores whereas Estado de México, Baja California Sur, and Guerrero performed lower um, in our rankings. So we do see a difference here. And I think it's very worthy to uh, study and understand what are the reforms that they are conducting at a local level to find the best practices and the best examples of what other states should do. I, I think that, that that's... 
I mean, one of the most important contributions of this uh, of, of this new index, because you are right, Leslie, if we see, for example, uh, Guerrero, we will see that uh, the, 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 the score is, 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 is pretty low. And, and like, it's like, I mean, we, we have also a lot of information about what has been done in, in, in Guerrero, right? In Guerrero, we have, uh, for example, if you think about the year 2011, uh, the federal police had uh, a major operativo or, 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 a, or, a, or a major use of police uh, force in, in the state, and we know that it didn't work. We know, for example, that in the year 2012, uh, the government said that they were going to use video cameras uh, to improve uh, public safety, and we know that that didn't uh, work. Uh, we also know that at some point the federal government decided that they have to uh, monitor more closely uh, the state of Guerrero, and that also didn't uh, work. And even at some point, if if you if you remember, uh, you know, other states send police uh, uh, forces to the to to Guerrero, and that was also a thing that didn't work, right? So we have uh, at this point in time, a, a pretty good idea of what the policies have been during the last years. And now we also have a really fine-grained measure about how people perceive rule of law, the work of criminal justice and, and security at the, at the state level. So we do know that, for example, Guerrero has not been uh, doing a great job. And we also know that some states have performed uh, quite well. If you think about uh, Yucatan, the murder rate is really low there. We also know that the perception is way better in comparison to rest of the of the of the country. I think also we we, we have have some good experiences in terms of public safety. For example, if we think about uh, Nuevo León, not this administration, but the previous administration, I think did a, a pretty remarkable job in terms of, you know, creating a new uh, state uh, police. So I, I would totally agree that these uh, numbers and this data really helps us to know how, how well or bad different states and different policies have performed during the last years. Of course. Um, almost to end our conversation, can you tell us what are the first three words that come to your mind when you hear the phrase rule of law? Oh, I guess like the first one would be uh, strong and capable institutions. Uh, the second one would be the protection of fundamental rights. And the third one would be operators, especially well-trained uh, operators and I think, yeah, th those are perhaps the three dimensions that we need to focus, at least in, in, in Mexico. Uh, for many years, uh, we, we thought that uh, before the democratic transition of the year uh, 2000, the Mexican state was uh, very strong and be very capable. And during these last 18 years, we have uh, seen that the political domination of the institutional revolutionary uh, party, of course, created a pretty strong uh, state, just in terms of political control, but perhaps not in, term, in terms of institutional 
capabilities, right? And many of the institutions that we have created over the last uh, years or even before are, are not performing as we uh, expected. Uh, I guess the second dimension about fundamental rights is also pretty important, and we have major challenges here, right? I mean, if, if we see the Mexican Constitution, uh, we can we can definitely say that on the formal or legal level, uh, Mexican citizens have a lot of constitutional uh, rights. It's it's really hard to think in any specific fundamental right that is not recognized uh, by the Mexican Constitution or by the international treaties that have been signed by the Mexican state. But there we have a, a huge gap between what the constitution says and what is happening on the day-to-day -day, you know, lives of Mexican uh, citizens. So I think this, the second thing would be, or the second idea that I would think about is, you know, the, you know, the, 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 the practical or, you know, day-to-day -day reality in terms of the protection of fundamental rights. And the other thing is, you know, that institutions are also created and operated by, by people, right? And I think the Mexican state historically has not been uh, good in terms of, you know, creating a well-trained and capable uh, bureaucracy. And hopefully the, the next administration uh, AMLO and the people that who are going to be in charge of key positions really understand that if they want to enact major transformations in the social and political life of, of Mexico, they will need to strengthen and perhaps create uh, new bureaucracies that are really capable of, you know, uh, enacting and implementing all the policies that he has uh, said he will try to do. Absolutely. Um, well, so this new government starts tomorrow, December 1st, 2018. And as we can see, there are a lot of challenges ahead. Uh, but it is also a key moment in Mexico's history. So we really hope that the new government will take into account all these recommendations and enact them for you know, to have a better country with fair institutions and a strong rule of law. Uh, Javier, thank you so much for taking this call and thank you for your hard work to promote and strengthen the rule of law in Mexico. It was an honor talking to you today. No, on the contrary, uh, thank you, Leslie, for this opportunity. It was great to talk to you. Thank you very much.